the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Not MVP, MVVP. Yeah, that might have to be a new category for sports leagues. It will be if Hub Arkush has anything to say about it. Who is Hub Arkush? He's the winner of a very important award. And now, it's time for The Jerk of the Week, starring John Steigerwald. So, you say you never heard of Hub. Well, just keep in mind, he's never heard of you either. Uh, but Hub used to be the editor of Pro Football Weekly. Uh, now he writes for something called ChicagoFootball.com. I'm guessing he covers the Bears. And he said Aaron Rodgers, uh, the Packers quarterback, is the biggest jerk in the league and a bad guy and, quote, I don't think a bad guy can be the most valuable guy at the same time. Hub is one of the 50 voters for the NFL MVP award. But you know what else Hub is? The winner of this week's Windows R Us Jerk of the Week award. The Jerk of the Week is brought to you by Windows R Us, Pittsburgh's premier exterior replacement company. Expert repair and replacement for windows, roofs, siding, doors, gutters, and downspouts. Why pay double? Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. He's also a good example of why media people shouldn't be involved in voting for awards. But anyway, we we can't go uh, without letting you hear what Aaron Rodgers had to say about Hub. He's a bad guy, and I don't think a bad guy can be the MVP at the same time. I think he's a bum. I think he's an absolute bum. He doesn't know me. I don't know who he is. No one knew who he was probably until yesterday's comments. But I mean, to and I listened to the comments, but to say he had his mind made up in the summertime, in the off season that, you know, I had zero chance of winning the VP, in my opinion, should exclude, you know, future, future votes. Um, you know, his problem isn't with me being a bad guy or the biggest jerk in the league. Because he doesn't know me. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know anything about me. I mean, I've never met him. I've never had lunch with him. I've never had an interview with him. Um, his problem is I'm not vaccinated. You know, so if he wants to go on a crusade and collude and come up with an, an extra letter to put on the award just for this season and make it the most valuable vaccinated player, then he should do that. But he's a bum, and I'm not going to waste any time worrying about that stuff. He has no idea who I am. He's never, never talked to me in his life, but it's unfortunate that those, those sentiments, it's surprising that he would even say that, to be honest. Yep. Uh, most valuable vaccinated player. I guess that's where we're going now. Good for Rogers. By the way, Hub has since apologized. We're not buying the apology. I think he's apologizing because of, the, of the, all the heat he took for the stu- stupid thing that he said. Anyway, when we come back, speaking of jerks, uh, who do you think has the greatest golden parachute in the history of the federal government? It's a guy you know and love. And in our second half hour, at least one Supreme Court justice made an idiot of herself today. Stick around. Whatever Happened to the Pursuit of Happiness? By every measure, we're less happy now than at any time in America's history. The problem is we've confused happiness with comfort for too long. In a world in which the news is fake, politics has become religion, and science has made us even more skeptical. A new book shows us how to become reactionaries against this so-called progress. There's a better way to live. It's the reactionary way. Read about it in the new book, The Reactionary Mind, Why Conservative Isn't Enough. We've seen how COVID lockdowns have continued 
contributed to loneliness. Divorce rates are falling, but only because marriage rates are falling faster. Death from despair has led to a drop in life expectancy among white males for the first time. This new book, The Reactionary Mind, shows how we can fight the growth of wokeism and find peace and happiness centered around our families. Be happy. Be a reactionary. Order Michael Warren Davis's witty, provocative new book, The Reactionary Mind, Why Conservative Isn't Enough from Amazon and wherever books are sold. So have uh, you or maybe people you know and love uh, tried to quit smoking and made a New Year's resolution to do that? Maybe you're already uh, falling off the wagon. Uh, well, this is a, I have a great idea for you. It's called nicotinetest.com. It was founded by Matt Bars. He's the director of the New York City Fire Department tobacco program. It's a science-based approach. You uh, you t- do a little urine test, uh, and it, you have a quit rate of 70%, 7 out of 10, and they can help you. They even offer a money-back guarantee. What they do is they measure your, nic- your nicotine levels to com- customize your treatment so that you don't feel miserable, and you don't have to quit right away. It's uh, the program set up for you. So now for a limited time, you can get expert tobacco coaching free with your nicotine test purchase. Their experts will guide you with tips and secrets to finally make quitting a reality. MyNicotineTest.com works with all tobacco products, too, not just cigarettes and cigars. It includes vaping and smokeless. So if you have questions, call My Nicotine Test at 1-800-45-SMOKE, 1-800-45-SMOKE. Not a smoker? Get a gift card for someone who is and someone else you know who wants to quit. MyNicotineTest.com. MyNicotineTest.com. Cancer. So many lives are touched by cancer. In fact, one in two men and one in three women will be diagnosed with cancer. At the American Cancer Society, we're on a mission to free the world from cancer. It's a big mission, driven by little things like a ride to treatment, a free place to stay, a 24-7 helpline. But these little things are really the big things. Because to a cancer patient and their family, they're everything. And every day we reach thousands of cancer patients who so desperately need these services. But we need your help to get these critical services to more people and families in need this holiday season. Go to cancer.org and join the fight against cancer. It takes just minutes to donate and help provide essential support to cancer patients and their families. Don't wait. More than one in three people will be diagnosed with cancer. Go to cancer.org right now and make a difference. Go to cancer.org. It's finally time to replace that old leaky roof, or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows or Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows or Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows R Us offers 12 months no interest financing and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how'd you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding or roof replacement. Offer valid through 123121. All with 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsoruspittsburgh.com. That's windowsoruspittsburgh.com. This is the John Walt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. So, have you had enough of uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci yet? It's not bad enough that we have to see him with that smug look on his face, uh, as he advises us to hide under our beds, he makes up for that by being the highest paid federal employee in the country. And if that's not bad enough for you, when he's finally gone, your taxes are still going to be making sure that he makes big bucks. Adam Angievsky is the CEO and founder of OpenTheBooks.com. He keeps his eye on stuff like this. That's why we like to have him on the show. And Adam, thanks for coming on again. Thanks, John. Yeah, we broke all of that, everything that you just talked about. We started breaking that last January. And uh, so thanks for covering it. And look, it's big news. People had questions. How can this guy, who's the director of a sub-agency of a sub-agency of Health and Human Services, out-earn everybody? It's pretty stunning. And so uh, we're getting to the bottom of, of just why, and it's a great story. I think at least uh, half the country would like to see Tony Fauci just go away. 
But he's not interested in leaving, and uh, why do we know that it's not a big pay cut that's keeping him from uh, retiring? <laughs> well, our auditors estimated that if he did resign and, and go into retirement, and in the latest polls, John, you're exactly right, the latest polls, 52% of Americans want him to retire, and that includes 32% of Democrats want Dr. Anthony Fauci to retire. And so if he did, we estimated that his federal pension would exceed all other federal pensions in history. It would be the most lucrative. On day one, Fauci would get nearly $1,000 to be paid to stay home. His annual or federal pension would exceed $350,000. And if you think about it, it's over a million dollars just in the first three years of retirement. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you get to collect that if you're in prison? <laughs> no, if you, uh, if you get convicted of crimes while on the job, I think that's a federal rule that yeah. you lose your public employee pension. Now, they have that rule for members of Congress, and we ask every six months the Office of Personnel Management, we ask them one question, John. Uh, has there ever been a congressman, uh, you know, a member of Congress stripped of their uh, federal pension because of a corruption conviction? And every single time the answer is no. Not one single member of Congress has ever been stripped, even after they've been convicted. So in almost 250 years, no congressman has done anything, congressperson, I should say, uh, no congressperson has ever done anything that justified his or her retirement taking it taken away being taken that's away. right that's amazing that you know even though there's there's laws on the books the laws are full of holes they're sieves and and so no pensions have ever been taken away for a member of congress even convicted of felonies uh and have served time in the federal penitentiary zero zero pension takeaways sounds a little self-serving uh, you know, you don't want to take you don't want to take uh, Dr. Fauci's pension away because you might be next. So I, uh, they, they don't you know, that's, I can understand why they're not all that crazy about doing that. So uh, Fauci's been working for the government for 55 years. Uh, is that the main reason for him being the highest paid employee of the federal government? It's just about longevity. No, no, it's it's about that high salary. So he he makes at least four hundred and thirty five thousand a year out earning the president, four-star generals in the United States military, and all 4.3 million of the federal bureaucrats and his colleagues at the federal level. So, so he out earns everybody. Look, I want to shed some light on the total household income of the Fauci household. Uh -oh. So many people don't know, John, that his wife, Christine Grady, is the chief bioethicist at the National Institute of Health. Go figure. Another government job. The vice president. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah, he out earns the vice president of the United States at over 235000 a year. And look, these, both of these salaries, Fauci's and his wife's that I'm quoting you, they're two years old, but they're the latest available. We can't get our hands on what they made in fiscal year 2021. We've asked the National Institutes of Health, and they refused to comment on that. And we don't know what they're making in fiscal year 2022, which started last October. Okay, so these are two years old. But if you add the salaries, and then if you add in 30% in terms of benefits, pretty close, pretty soon you're getting to a total household income of the federal agencies and entities into the Fauci household of between 900000 and a $1 million. If, if Dr. Fauci has some royalties, if he's actually got some other payments, and we believe that he does from federal entities, he's, his household income from public sources is going to be pushing one million dollars a year. Not bad if you can get it. Um, and not too many people get a 68% raise. I saw in your piece, I think it was at Forbes, uh, that there was somewhere along the line there, he, he picked up a 68% uh, raise. That was That's a nice little there's bump a, in pay. And there's a good story behind that. So back in 2004, we unearthed the memo, and this is why Fauci makes the most money at the federal level than anybody else. He got a permanent pay adjustment for his work specifically in biodefense. He was paid to stop the next pandemic, and obviously he failed. So we've got, we've got the number one most highly compensated federal employee paid to stop the next pandemic, and we get the next pandemic. Uh, so, but, but uh, again, you said 
that you don't know what his salary is for the last two years for so for not preventing the next pandemic there's a good chance he got a nice little bump in pay otherwise they'd be telling you well, I, I think yeah we assume i mean since uh since 2006 in 2016 he was making about 350,000 uh, i'm sorry he's making about 335,000 and he got a hundred thousand dollar pay raise between 2016 and uh 2020 so we assume that those increases have uh, continued and see no evidence to the contrary so he's probably north of 450, 460, 470 right now. So uh, you mentioned that you had trouble getting the, the last two years from the National Institute of Health. Shouldn't all federal employee salaries be available pretty easily to anybody who wants to see them? We are paying these people. That's right. Amen. So, yeah, we can't get anybody at the federal level in fiscal year 2021. We won't receive that production till August. And certainly for FY 2022, it'll be the following year in August. You know, we, we, the pesky citizen who pays all the bills, we get to see this stuff, you know, way late, way in arrears. There's a war on transparency at the federal level. And, you know, through different lawsuits at OpenTheBooks.com, we are trying to break, break that federal system open and open the books on them. We're talking to Adam Angievsky. He's the CEO and founder of OpenTheBooks.com. Uh, we're talking about uh, how well Dr. Fauci is doing uh, every uh, every Friday when he picks up his paycheck, if that's what it is. Um, so he's, he was being paid uh, the big bucks to prevent exactly what's going on now. And there, I, I don't ever I, – I, there are, there are Republicans um, – uh, there are, have been senators who have and, – and Congress people who have uh, said that, that they want this guy to resign – uh, and Rand Paul actually wants him to go to prison, which you know I'd be okay with that. But uh, he's not going anywhere, is he? No, he is, he said in a recent interview to Jonathan Carl at ABC in December that he views himself as a general, and this is World War II, and so he would never sideline himself until we quote unquote get back to normal. So he's not going anywhere. He's not resigning. He. Uh, he has put together quite the system for Anthony Fauci, and he's going to play out his string. And uh, there's, there's no uh, – I guess you haven't been able to figure out if there are any bonuses written into that. And, and, uh, so here's, here's the thing. We, you know, like everybody else in the country, when you hear he's number one in terms of compensation at the federal level, you have questions like how can a director of a sub-agency of a sub-agency – of health and human services, I would earn everybody, right? I mean, four-star generals have millions of men and women in their command. Okay, so we filed Freedom of Information Act request for his job contract, all the changes and amendments to that contract. We filed a request for his conflict of interest disclosures, which are supposed to be a matter of the public record, his financial disclosures. That would clear up a lot of questions. We filed a request for his, uh, for his job description, you know, we know at OpenTheBooks.com, Fauci did 400 media interviews in the first 18 months of the pandemic. There's a federal law since 1913 called the Gillette Amendment. It bars the bureaucrat from being the publicity man. Well, he better have public affairs in his job description, right? We shall file the request for his royalties. So wait and a minute. All the royalties, can, I, can I interrupt you there for a minute? Um, uh, um, yes. Adam, did you just say that he's really not supp- <laughs> he's not supposed to be seen every 12 minutes on TV the way he has been the last year and a half? That's right. There is the Gillette Amendment from 1913 bars the bureaucrat from being the propagandist. Yeah, but how does he get how does he get around how does he say that that's not what he is? Well, the devil would be in the details. It would really help him if he had public affairs in his job description. Mm-hmm. Then we would know paying him in part for public affairs, for for his media appearances. If it's not in his job description, then there's a real question how he could be tip of the spear. Look, there are, I'm just going on memory here. So there's about 80 public affairs officers. I think there's 60 or 80 public affairs officers at the National Institutes of Health and the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases that Fauci heads up. That's a tremendous payroll. I think it's $10 million a year taxpayers pay for public affairs officers over there. 
So the question is, with all of that being spent on many public uh, affairs officers, why is Fauci out there, the scientist, why, why is he out there leading the charge? So, I'd, you know, we'd like to see his job description. And why won't they? Have you been trying to find out if he might be breaking that law? And then nobody will yeah, let you know they, what the job description is? They won't produce the documents. So here's what we did, John. We got serious last fall in October with Judicial Watch, a mm. public interest law firm out of Washington, D.C. Many right. people are familiar with their, sure, yeah. their good work. We filed a federal lawsuit to begin the process of breaking open Dr. Anthony Fauci's employment record. And it moved very quickly in the federal courts. And we've got the order that on February 1, they're going to start producing and here's, they, they already came, they already disclosed the universe of documents. And it's going to be 1,100 pages that relate to our request. So we are highly interested in seeing every page of that. Well, I really want to see the, the what is it, the Gillette Act? Uh, yeah, the Gillette Amendment. The Gillette yeah. Amendment. You can Google the Gillette Amendment. You know, it was passed in 1913. It's been on the books for over 100 years. And it, it bars the propagandist. The I, bureaucrat is propagandist because they're not elected. Right. They're bureaucrats. Well, I would really like to see someone in the media, not that it, it would ever happen because he's not going to, first of all, he's not going to do any kind of an interview with Fox or anybody who might ask him a tough question. But it would be interesting to see if someone in the media would like to just run that Gillette Amendment by somebody and see if it applies to him. And, and if they even know about it, and I'm talking about yeah, his I mean, bosses. I have his, you know, I have his uh, government email address, and I asked him on a request for comment from my Forbes column where I broke this last fall. I asked if if he'd ever gotten a legal opinion on his public affairs activities in relation to the Gillette Amendment. Uh-huh. I would imagine he has, and I'd like to see a copy of that of that opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, if it would get him off a of TV for like a half hour, that would be great. Um, so moving on to something else here, and we're talking to finishing up here with uh, with Adam Angievsky, CEO and founder of OpenTheBooks.com. You uh, also at OpenTheBooks.com discovered uh, about uh, some stuff about COVID-19 relief money maybe going to the wrong people to the tune of $3.6 billion. Can you give us the details on that? And that's just a small little tranche of the improper payments on COVID relief money, $3.6 trillion. That's the amount that flowed through two special loan and grant programs over at the Small Business Administration, the SBA. And so there's this program over at the U.S. Treasury. It's John, it's called the Do Not Pay List. And in, ni- in 2019, Congress passed a law that required the SBA and other federal agencies, before you pay out money, you've got to take a look and see if the recipient is on the do not pay list. Well, the SBA paid out $3.6 billion to folks that were on the do not pay list (laughs) Uh, that got paid. This is your government at work. What did Kanye West get out of that? The famous Kanye (laughs) West. So we don't know if he's on the do not pay list, but he should be. His sneaker company sells about a billion dollars worth of shoes every single year. It's valued at $3 billion, and he took paycheck protection loans over there for $2.4 million, money that on round one ran out. You know, many small business owners, mom-and-pop businesses on Main Street were closed out of that money. You know, folks like Kanye's sneaker company got the dough. Amazing. Uh any laws broken there? Well, that you know, everyone has a swim lane. So at OpenTheBooks.com, you know, we don't have subpoena power and things like that. So we all we do is expose and educate. So, you, but but I'd like to see an investigation. Look, Congress needs to crack down. At, and I want to say, John, and I'm pretty proud of this. At OpenTheBooks.com, we could have qualified for three hundred thousand dollars of PPP money, mm-hmm. but we don't take any government money. And so, of course, we turned it down. We're yeah. completely 100% privately funded, no government money. That would compromise our mission, and we were able to make it without the government subsidy. Well, if I, you're a better man than I because I, if, I could do, if I could get away with what Kanye West got away with and get somebody to write me a check for $2 million, I, I might I, – I, I'd have to be tempted. 
I'd have to be tempted, especially if I could do it legally, which he may have done. Well, and, and here's who really made out like a bandit. You got 125 defense, domestic USA-based defense contractors, either wholly, either owned by or invested in by the Chinese Communist Party. And those 125 firms soaked up to $400 million worth of round one paycheck protection program funds. Unbelievable. They took it away from men and women on Main Street, those entrepreneurs that needed the money and were closed out. It was PPP for the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. Wow. Hey, I'm out of time, uh, Adam. Always great to have you on. I, I could have you on every week. You always got something. Uh, great stuff over there. CEO and founder of OpenTheBooks.com, Adam Angievsky. Thanks. Thank you, John. Okay, we'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Spock. Correspondent Rita Foley reports on the return to remote learning in some school districts. Shutting down schools is often a decision driven by waves of teachers calling in sick. More than a third of Philadelphia's public schools have switched to remote learning through at least today, drawing an outcry from families who say they were given little time to prepare. Chicago students remained out of school for a third straight day today after school leaders failed to reach an agreement with the teachers' union over virus safety protocols. The union wants to revert to remote instruction because of the COVID surge. The Supreme Court's conservative majority appears skeptical of the Biden administration's authority to impose a vaccine or testing requirement on the nation's large employers. In arguments today, the court's six conservative justice appeared to view the administration's requirement as a overstepping government authority. This is SRN News. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy. AM 1250, The Answer. American Underdog, based on the true story of Kurt Warner, who went from stocking grocery store shelves to become an NFL Super Bowl Hall of Fame quarterback. Now, enter the American Underdog sweepstakes for your chance to win a five-day, four-night trip with air for a family of four to Paradisus Cancun in Cancun, Mexico. We're also giving away Fandango four-packs to see American Underdog. Destiny, it belongs to the underdogs. Register to win at TheAnswerPGH.com slash American Underdog. Hi, this is Joe Belanti with J&D Waterproofing at 1-800-BERRY-DRY. In honor of our 81 years serving the tri-state area, we are offering great savings for all our new and past customers. Call 1-800-BERRY-DRY. That's 1-800-BERRY-DRY to get your savings on basement waterproofing, bowing or cracking walls, and or footer stabilization projects. Or visit us at jdwaterproofing.com. J&D Waterproofing. Family owned and operated since 1939. Dr. Gorka here and I want to talk to you for a minute about 100% drug free Relief Factor. I've been taking Relief Factor for years now to help me deal with pain in my body. My wife takes it as well. The reason we tell everyone uh, we know about it is simple. We found it really works to help our bodies fight off the inflammation that causes aches and pains. Whether it's the pain of injuries you've sustained or just the natural pains from the mileage over the years, Relief Factor can help. I've never looked back. Almost 70% of the more than half a million people who have tried Relief Factor end up ordering more. That's because it works for them the way it works for me. Isn't it time for you to get out of pain? Your first step to becoming pain-free should be to order the three-week quick start for the discounted price of only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com or call 
800-4-RELIEF to find out more about this offer. That's relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF. Feel the difference. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh, a division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. An accident now into the traffic center, Arlington Avenue at Newton Street at Southside Slopes. Parkway East inbound minor delay going through downtown. Parkway West inbound minor delays into Carson Street. Looking pretty good right now on 28 and on the Parkway North. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. We'll see partly cloudy skies for tonight. Expect a nighttime low of 12. Mostly sunny tomorrow. Not as cold. Tomorrow's high 35. Becoming cloudy tomorrow night with periods of rain late. Low 31. Then temperatures rising through the 30s overnight. Breezy Sunday with periods of rain. We'll see a high Sunday of 39. For Monday, mostly cloudy skies and colder. It'll be breezy in the afternoon with a high of 24. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. The John Steigerwall Show. AM 1250, The Answer. Well, there's a lot of misinformation about COVID and vaccines out there, but you wouldn't expect a Supreme Court justice to be spreading it during a hearing to determine whether the federal government has the power to force companies to make their employees get vaccinated. But it happened today when Justice Sonia Sotomayor uh, claimed that there are 100,000 kids in serious condition with COVID. The actual number is 3,200, by the way. So what's the court going to rule? Sarah Partial Perry is a legal fellow for legal and judicial studies at the Heritage Foundation. She joins us now. Sarah, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So before we get to what the hearing is about, how much confidence should uh, we have in judges ruling when we see such an obvious lack of preparation? As I said, she said there were 100,000 kids in serious condition. And the actual number is 3,342 who were in hospital. I, I, guess, I don't know if in hospital, but that's the number that I saw, 3,342. Well, and I'll give you uh, another snafu coming from Justice Sotomayor. She seems to think that there is a federal police power to regulate on things like vaccines, when in fact there is not. What OSHA is attempting to do is an unconstitutional power grab by the executive in this uh, situation. The statute does not support what the president is trying to do, but Sonia Sotomayor seemed to believe that, in fact, there was a federal police power that existed to do things just like that. And the Tenth Amendment to the Constitution does precisely the opposite, that matters like that are to be left to the state. So there were a few eyebrow-raising moments, to be sure, in today's oral argument. And after three hours and 40 minutes for both sets of cases, back-to-back, there were some pretty exhaustive um, remarks that were made from the liberal block of justices. And we heard a lot of factual commentary from them, not a lot of legal discussion, but rather a lot of uh, hypothetical on what might be the state of the pandemic going forward, how many more people might be, might be hospitalized or might die. But what we didn't hear is a lot of statements of law. And, of course, as you know, the Supreme Court is bound only to the power that it has to interpret the law in front of it as applied to the factual situation that arises. So regardless of what that particular outcome is, the Supreme Court justices and particularly the conservatives were concerned with the fact that OSHA seems to be really straining credulity to force vaccination upon 80 million Americans when in fact the states and private employers of their own accord had already incentivized and instituted vaccine mandates for their own workplaces going forward. So my confidence is that there will be a temporary stay issued against the OSHA vaccine mandate, at least during the pendency of the litigation. So the court will press pause. We've probably got 6-3 for the conservative majority there, but I'm not quite as confident on the health care mandate stemming from the Centers for Medicaid and Medicare. And that's sort of a completely different analysis because it concerns health care facilities. And this is, in fact, a health care regulation. So the outcome might be different. Yeah, we'll get to that. I want to get to the difference in the two in a second. But so what, what again, is the is the purpose of the hearing? Uh, it's, it, there were lawsuits. 
There, there were some, some uh, uh, in, in some cases. Uh, I, I'm not a, an attorney, so I'm, I'm speaking from ignorance here. But I, I get the impression that it was, uh, it was um, appealed, and then it was overturned, and it was appealed again. Was this always headed to the Supreme Court? There's no doubt this was always headed to the Supreme Court. And what both parties have asked for, both petitional parties have asked for in the OSHA mandate cases and the Medicare Medicaid cases is the same thing, which is, please, court, put a temporary hold on this during the pendency of the litigation. In other words, prevent it from going into effect so that we can hash this out at the trial court level and come to a determination on whether or not the rule itself is constitutional and whether or not it's it's congressionally appropriate. But what they've asked for now, and they've had to make sort of a preview of those arguments here, but they've asked for a temporary hold, a stay, if you will, on the actual mandate going into effect so that the lower court litigation can proceed and get to the root issues. So the, the liberal justices uh, today seem to make a point to talk about the danger from COVID is, that's out there and seem to be making a case for vaccinations. Uh, again, I'm, I'm not an attorney. Is that relevant or should it just be about whether the president has the power to force companies to force their employees to get the shot? No matter, I guess what I'm getting at here is, is the, da- is the alleged or, or the actual danger the point? Or is it whether or not the federal government has the power, and I guess it's the president, has the power to do something about that danger without going through Congress? You know, you may not be an attorney, but that's a perfect summation of what precisely the issue is here. We're not discussing the appropriate of vaccines, nor are we discussing the severity of the pandemic, the efficacy of those matters or other matters related to management of an ongoing pandemic. We understand the necessity of vaccination. We understand that it is good policy. We understand it's good health care. What we don't want to do is give the federal executive agencies the authority in any circumstance to say, well, we find a justification here. We're ultimately going to change our approach and we're going to authorize 84 million people in the United States to be vaccinated when in fact Congress never anticipated that kind of a use of power. And I'll harken back to the August decision in the Alabama Realtors case, and that was just a few months ago in which the court held, listen, the CDC's eviction moratorium, if you remember, there was a prevention of forcing tenants to be evicted if they didn't pay rent, was suspended through the Biden administration's rule, through that agency, through the CDC, and the Supreme Court said absolutely not. There was no way Congress ever anticipated that regulatory power to be used in such a way. This is an attempt at gaining more power than Congress ever intended, and I think it comes down precisely the same way in the OSHA case. But again, we heard a lot about facts, a lot about fear, a lot about statistics from the liberal justices, the six conservatives, and even Justice Roberts himself was considered a swing. He is more of a centrist, really seemed to think that this was a workaround, and that's precisely what he called it, around congressional authority that doesn't actually exist. And the, and the, the, the procedure that takes place in Supreme Court, I've never been there, um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a normal trial, there's a judge, and there are two two parties discussing or debating uh, or presenting their case. And if someone goes off track a little bit, the judge can jump in, or or another uh, an attorney from the other side can object and say that's irrelevant, it's uh, it's not material, blah blah blah. And the judge can then say, yeah, shut up about that. We're not talking about that. Let's focus on what we're here for. There's nobody at the Supreme Court who can do that, though, is there? No, there isn't. But what the justices do is, to a large extent, police themselves. They will ask clarifying questions. For example, if we see the petitioner, for example, Scott Keller, who was the attorney for the NFIB, the National Federation for Independent Businesses, he was the lead attorney. He was the first bat one up to bat today, was asked a question by Justice Kavanaugh, making sure that he understood what 
the attorney was saying. Those are the kind of self-policing regulations that the Supreme Court does, because honestly, these are attorneys who need to come to the court fully prepared for any eventuality. We actually have seen many instances when the justices have asked each other questions, have intervened during courts of courses of questioning. And so they largely will police themselves to that extent. But again, when counsel gets up to argue, whether it's for the petitioner or the respondent, they need to be prepared for friendly fire as well as criticism. And that's part of being prepared to argue at this level. We're talking to Sarah Partial Perry. She's a legal fellow for legal and judicial studies at the Heritage Foundation, talking about what happened at the Supreme Court today. Um, some some mandates, uh, I, I see. I think I, I have this right, some mandates have been upheld by the Supreme Court already. Uh, what, what's different about this case? Well, what's different here is that these are federal mandates that have widespread economic and personnel uh, implications that purport to affect the lives of over 84 million Americans. The breathtaking breadth of these regulations is what makes them so different. There have been a number of state challenges that have come to the Supreme Court that the justices have refused to take up. Now, Many of the conservative justices have dissented, particularly Justices Gorsuch and Alito have been very vocal in the fact that there were in a number of cases insufficient religious liberty protections in many of these cases. But these justices so far have refused to take up a state level challenge because a state has an appropriate interest in its police power in the health and safety of its citizens. That's how the framers intended it. In the 10th Amendment, it's an appropriately exercised police power. Now, religious liberty being a completely separate discussion, what we're dealing with here is just an unprecedented power grab by the Biden administration. And that's why these cases are so distinctly different. They have used two agencies, the Centers for Medicaid and Medicare, as well as the Occupational Safety and Health Administration to basically perform that workaround that Justice Roberts talked about to try to find ways to get around what Congress clearly did not intend. What would the fallout be if, if this were to, if, if, the, if the Biden administration were allowed to uh, continue with the mandates? Not just, I mean, on this case specifically, but what message would that, might that send about where we are now as far as federal power, especially when it comes to uh, emergencies? I I think it sends a very devastating message and one that could be chilling. Um, I also think that it would have severe economic impacts on a multitude of sectors. In fact, Amtrak and the U.S. Postal Service have already issued statements saying that there will be significant attrition in their ranks. This could be billions of dollars in lost revenue, lost income, workforce shrink, and we already know that job numbers are down. We already know that we are in a down economy. So to suffer that kind of an economic impact would be devastating, not only to the American economy, but also to the lives and livelihoods of everyday Americans who rely on these jobs to go to work. And it's an untenable choice to be forced to face down the federal government who is instituting a vaccine mandate through a private employer that Congress never intended to relegate authority to to provide medical care or medical decisions. Voluntary vaccine mandates, perfectly fine. Exercise through the states in a certain context, perfectly fine. Through federal agencies at the executive level, absolutely not. So a finding of the OSHA's regulation to be upheld would really be one of the most devastating consequences we're likely to see within the term of this presidential administration. So this is a big deal. This is not just about the vaccines necessarily. It's about a lot more than that. Correct. Now, you mentioned the issues of, of hospitals and other health care workers. There's, a, there's two different arguments going on here. Um, and it's about whether health care workers that participate in Medicare and Medicaid programs Um, they can be mandated to get vaccines. How do you see that one going? Well, I think that that one is uh, more likely to be able to go into effect. I don't think we've got a conservative block there, particularly with uh, Chief Justice Roberts, who will potentially vote with the more moderate to liberal wing. I think if I were to prognosticate, and that's always dangerous, it's always dangerous to say, 
well, this is what I think will happen because, of course, then you can be proven wrong. But I do think that the health care mandate coming through CMS is more likely to be upheld and more likely to be permitted to go into effect while we see the litigation percolate through the trial court and the appellate court below because the court seemed to indicate that they knew health care facilities were a different environment than private employment situations. And in fact, the economic impact is also less significant. You're talking the balance between 80 million individuals through the OSHA regulation and only 17 million individuals in the healthcare situation. So it's very likely that what we see coming through CMS will be upheld. But I do think based on today's line of questioning, we're looking at probably a 6-3 conservative majority striking down the OSHA mandate, at least for the time being. And how long before that decision comes down? Very likely to be the next few days. Uh, I anticipate actually seeing something from the high court as early as Monday, at least on the OSHA mandate. Now here's something, and we're talking, uh, finishing up here with Sarah Parshall-Perry. She's a legal fellow for legal and judicial studies at the Heritage Foundation. Now, I've mentioned many times that I'm not an attorney and I'm not an expert on this stuff, but... Is there something wrong when someone like me who's totally ignorant of how the Supreme Court works uh, and just uh, I'm not an expert on this at all, I could have won money by predicting this was going to be a 6-3 decision, that it's so predictable that it's almost – it's just they could, have, they could have gone in and talked about this for about eight minutes and come out and voted 6-3 to three and gotten it over with. How, how much, how, who's going to be persuaded one way or the other in this argument? Well, I think there are a number of factors here, not the least of which is they took over three and a half hours today to get through oral arguments because the justices had quite a number of questions to ask. I do believe they rightly understand the stakes to be incredibly high. They have turned down state-level vaccine mandates because they understand it to be a lawful exercise of the state's plenary police power. But the predictability, if there is any, and again, like I said, it's very dangerous to prognosticate. If there is any predictability in this, it's strictly because we've been seeing so much of these types of cases come to the Supreme Court in an era of unprecedented health care concerns and an ongoing pandemic now entering its third year, that we have a quite a bit of jurisprudence to pull from. We know how certain justices are going to be inclined based on how they've ruled in the past and based on a growing canon of litigation in the COVID-19 sphere. But again, all of this is subject to change at a moment's notice, and I could be proven completely wrong. Yeah, well, we should know, you think, in a couple of days, huh? By Monday, maybe? By Monday, uh, I would say it's likely we will hear something from them. Absolutely. Okay, I, Sarah, I really appreciate you coming on the show. You really, uh, you really cleared it up, and uh, I'll be looking forward to see what that decision is finally going to be. But I'm going to predict a six-three, just like you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. All right, thank you. We'll be right back. have the same energy they used to? Do they have problems with itching, scratching, a dull coat, or goopy ears? Then your pets need Dinovite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. For over 20 years, pet owners have trusted Dinovite to supplement their pet's diet. We started Dinovite and in our first box, we noticed a difference. Dinovite is an all-natural daily supplement made from whole foods that helps support your pet's immune system, digestion, skin, and coat. Within three weeks, he's not scratching and itching, and he's an all-around happier dog. Today's commercial pet food are processed at high temperatures, which bakes out all the essential goodness. These processed foods can lack the essential vitamins, enzymes, and probiotics that contribute to overall good health. Adding a scoop of Dynavite to your pet's food bowl is the answer. If you love your pets as much as I do, you'll want to do what's best for them to live long, healthy, happy lives. I have two cats and two dogs. All four of them are on the Dynavite. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. 
This is John Sagerwald. You know, I used to think that all towels are pretty much the same, but I found out with my pillow towels, that's not the case. Towels just don't seem to dry anymore. They feel soft and lotiony in the stores, but you get them home and they don't absorb. Well, Mike Lindell at MyPillow found out that around 2006, towels changed forever. They started importing them and adding softeners and other things to the cotton that made them feel good, but they didn't work. He found the best towel company right here in the USA, and they have proprietary technology to create towels that feel soft but actually work. They're all made with USA cotton. They come with the MyPillow 60-day money-back guarantee. You can get a six-piece set, two bath, two hand towels, and two washcloths made with USA cotton, soft and absorbent, regularly $109.99, now $39.99. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the new radio listener specials, get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the towels. Enter promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087 for these great radio specials. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. How about we finish with some sports here for the week? Um, you know, normally this time of year, I would be back when I actually liked baseball. I would be counting the days till the pitchers and catchers report. And we're, we're to that point now where we're, I don't know, a month away, a little bit more than a month away. And that's when you, baseball's back and everybody gets excited. Well, Baseball right now, in case you didn't know, maybe you you uh, don't care because you don't care about baseball anymore, but uh, baseball is in a lockdown right now. And a survey done by the uh, at Seton Hall University, listen to these numbers. A survey of 1,570 adults last month found that 44% of respondents who identify as avid sports fans would be less interested in big league baseball when the 2022 season begins. So less interested than they were last year. Uh, But that's not the worst number. Uh, 54% of the general public responded that it had no interest in MLB anyway. That's uh, really bad news for baseball. And Major League Baseball had a 37-year low in attendance in 2021. And uh, in 2017, the average, this is really bad news, in 2017, the average age of um, Major League Baseball fans was 57. That's up from 52 in 2000. So that was what, it's going on five years now. So I'm going to guess that the average age is more like 60 for people who are watching baseball. They're like me. They're going to be dead soon, okay? And they're not going to get any young fans by playing World Series games at 3 in the morning uh, and uh, playing the kind of baseball that they play right now. So bad news for baseball, and I'm to the point where I don't care if pitchers and catchers ever report. I'll talk to you on Monday. Bye. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Antwerp Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.